Welcome to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm a screenwriter and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. Today on the show, I've got Benny Horowitz. Benny's the drummer for the Gaslight Anthem and Mercy Union. The Gaslight Anthem put out records on Sidewind Dummy Records, Island Records, and Mercury Records. They toured the world with artists such as Rise Against, Bayside, and Alkaline Trio. Benny's also the host of the podcasts Going Off Track and The Tune-Up. All right, Benny, thank you for coming on with me today. Thanks for having me, Mike. You're a fine gent, and I would do many things for you. Wonderful. All right, so you played in bands prior to Gaslight Anthem. Um, What pushed you to keep going until something really clicked like Gaslight did? I'd almost gone in reverse of the question you asked, which is I had made the decision, you know, long before Gaslight that that's what I wanted to do. And I tried very hard to to make that happen. And shortly before Gaslight, you know, I had another thing that was kind of going in the wrong direction. And when Gaslight came up, I was in my head, I was going like, all right, this is the last one, you know, like this is my last chance. This is the last time I'm going to go for it. In retrospect, it might've been bullshit, you know, cause like I might've just kept grinding forever. Who knows? Yeah. I kind of was lucky in the idea that I, I did have a fairly singular focus um, from a pretty early age. I quit going to college probably when I was like 19 and from there, it kind of made it my purpose to just like go on a journey, you know, um, in my early 20s, it was a lot of touring with bands, uh, anybody who needed someone to just come with them. I was like, sure, anything to get me on the road, you know, and I do think that um, I, I had known prior to Gaslight that this is like what I wanted to do. And Gaslight was like the culmination. It was when I finally got to not work another job besides for playing music and then eventually pay rent by playing music, which essentially were the two goals, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, you mentioned that you did a lot of touring. I assume that carries over into Gaslight Anthem. What work ethic and habits did you and Gaslight put into place as you continue to push forward? One quick example is I talked to Heath Saracino And he mentioned that when Midtown was first getting their shit together, they were all in school, they all had jobs, and they were hitting the rehearsal space at like 2 a.m. And that those are the things that maybe not everyone would have done. Well, I think there's, luckily for us, I think in a lot of ways, you know, by the time we were doing Gaslight full time, uh, Brian and I both, Alex Rosamelia too were already in our mid to late twenties and we had already uh, had kind of the full gauntlet of awful jobs, jobs, making our own way, you know, like any number of things uh, prior to that point. So one of the upsides to that is, is that we knew what was happening was good 
uh, and the work that was required to keep it afloat felt good as well because it wasn't roofing. It wasn't, you know, like for Alex, it wasn't, uh, you know, working at a, a kiosk at Newark Mall. For me, it wasn't, you know, the newspaper and delivering pizzas. So there is like you see a lot of young bands kind of get into the grind of touring, which is difficult. Uh, it's physically difficult, it's mentally difficult, and it takes hard work and some level of dedication to just even simply get through it. So I think that's where you see like this early delineation. Like, like you notice how you see a lot of bands kind of get some buzz and put a record out and do a couple tours and then. Then they fizzle out, you know, because there was a couple people who couldn't make it and they didn't really figure it out till they got out there. I think that's where like an initial work ethic comes into play. And, you know, you could carry that into any profession, not just music, but it's certainly useful in music because, you know, there's a lot of day to day grind stuff that has nothing to do with playing. You know, you need a van. Sure. You need to pay for the van. Need to fix a van, you need to insure the van, you know, like even just these general basics that some people like can't do without other people, can't do without parents and stuff like that. So that was intrinsic in it. And then we always knew to be like easy, especially on support tours and stuff like that. Like you knew that uh the best way you could come on those tours was was prepared not needy, taking care of yourself, punctual. Um, you know, again, like that's another one of those simple things where experience gets you where, you know, let's say you're a rookie band and you have a drive from Chicago to, to Pittsburgh or something. And you're like, cool, we got, we got five hours to do it. And you're not really thinking about, oh, like we need gas. Someone's going to have to take a shit. We might hit traffic here. We might do this. And just these little ways to plan to ensure that you're somewhere at the right time. And in order to do that, you're going to be early to a bunch of cities a bunch of times. And I think that's another thing where it's like, if you really get used to work and the responsibility of schedule, then you know how to do those things intrinsically. And I, I do think that really helps as just a good, hardworking band, you know? I think that's that's an important takeaway is to be a team player, even if the people you're playing with aren't necessarily on your team. Like you said, you want to be easy to work with. I've felt that, I think that carries over into a lot, whether you're just working a regular job or you're in a band or you're on a film set or you're, you know, mm -hmm. working on a script with someone. Um, you don't want to be the pain in the ass where it's difficult to work with. I just think that's that's a super important habit that anyone can be aware of in themselves, whether they're going after something creative or not. Yeah. And that's just sheer like um, that's just being a reasonable person, isn't it? It's like sure. if you go into an environment like that and you want to be a dick and you want to treat people wrong and you still want to do that job, you better be really fucking good. And that is the only people who survive in that context. And, you know, I've literally seen people make careers by literally being cool to be around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like that's such an important part of um, someone who wants to get a crew job. 
And sure. it's almost something I feel bad about sometimes when people are working for you is like when they're out, they're not allowed to be the ones to cause the drama. Yeah. That's for the band members, you know, <laughs> like and a tour manager or someone setting up the tour is like, listen, I can't have this from like a guitar tech. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but but that's part of it is sometimes um these people sort of have to be like these great uh uh, not psychologists, anthropologists, because you're like, hey, here's this brand new person. And let me put you in this pre-existing world that's been going for a long time. And here's 13 people that you're just going to not only have to crack, but the first time you're going to meet them is going to be walking onto a bus together to like travel and sleep two feet away from each other. No, everyone's shitting and shaving patterns within like you know a week and you just met this person you know so it really does help when someone can just like get to a place and i guess simply read the room you know what i mean know like who you need to be for which types of people um and it's really like an invaluable skill because you know i don't know like i could teach you how to drum tech or guitar tech like they're not skills that you have to go to school for or something you know half the battle is just being cool and finding someone who's willing to show you you know so as time went on how did you guys and you personally continue to remain focused and hungry and operating at a high level i mean i think creatively luckily um it came easy because uh, we were definitely like a project who um, never really stood on laurels and almost, almost probably to a fault. We, we never really enjoyed (laughs) some of, some of the moments we were in because we were sort of like, so unimpressed with ourselves and looking towards the next thing, you know? Um, I know there was always this element of like when we'd finish a record, you'd feel this great sense of completion and quickly it's like, oh, but like, what do you do next? Yep. You know, what comes next? And I think that's a big part of it is like just that um, staying, staying focused in, in the actual craft itself. And when you're, when you almost feel so consistently insecure, like that part of it kind of takes care of itself because like there's no one judging the output of your work more than you, you know? Sure. Um, So nowadays you've got mercy union. um, You've got the going off track podcast. How do you structure your day to day when you're not on tour to remain as productive as possible? Well, I mean, as you know, with the kids, um, it gets complicated, really complicated. And it's been honestly a shifting pattern now that I'm still working on and still working how to figure. I realize now I maybe had some strange ways of working when I was younger. I really needed silence. I really needed space. I really needed time because of like my attention issues. You know, um, I'm I'm good to like really dig my head in something for like 40 minutes. And then I got a pause, 
you know, and then get to something else and then go back. And that's kind of how I work best. And when like you literally have to schedule every minute of your life um, and schedule it to the point that like, hey, fuck your feelings. You have 45 minutes to work like uh, that doesn't always work so well for me. And I'm not always the most productive. Um, And I find myself like reverting back to my old models, which is fucking with my sleep to get things done. I wake up earlier. I stay up later. Um, and I start to fill in with, with weird things. So, uh, I would be remiss to sit here and tell you that I have this figured out in a way that's like super good. Um, I'm getting things done. I mean, I think a big part of it in my situation and someone who's with a family is like, really, you, you gotta have like a partner who's who's on your team and willing to make sacrifices for you to be able to complete what you need to do um and i think if you have someone who's like you know resentful about what you're doing or you're not communicating uh, adequately what you are doing and why then you might not be able to build that trust and and you'd be fighting for your time more so So I think that's a big thing. I mean, especially for someone in a family situation is just like you got to get really good at communication and you got to get way better at like scheduling. Um, I've talked about this before, but what my wife and I have started doing is uh, one of us wakes up at six in the morning Uh and leaves the apartment, goes to a different place in our building and Uh gets two hours to work on their stuff. However, they want to use that two hours You know, if I want to work on a script, if I want to edit an episode of this, that's my two hour block. And she wakes up whenever the kids wake up, whether that's six or seven thirty, and she deals with them for that period of time. And we rotate days. What if you like what if you want to just like go fuck off for two hours? Like, are you allowed to just like be like, hey, you know what? I'm getting some soft serve and I'm (laughs) I'm I'm sitting in the park for two hours. That's it. I mean, in theory, I, I guess I could. I, I think. I think the problem is I'd beat the hell out of myself if right. I went and did that. I, I I'd be. I'd spend the. I'd spend the whole rest of the day going, man. I blew. I blew that two hours. That was my time to do. You know, whatever. And I just. I blew the whole thing. And I just. I'd beat myself up, and then I'd be up until one a.m. that night, and then ruin yeah, the next right, three days. Right. 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 <laughs> that's, it, that's a great idea, though. I, that's that's a really that's a good functional thing. Yeah. It's, it's worked well for us. You know, yeah. it, it gives the other person, you know, and like you said, the importance of a partner, it gives the other person that permission to go right. and do their thing without having to, you know, be staring at the clock and thinking, right. well, you know, I've been gone an hour, you know, what's going on right. up there. Right. And uh, yeah. And a little anonymity. It's like, this is my block and take care of my business and my block. Yeah. It's wise. So I think a lot of people have different definitions of success. I would define success as being able to have people connect to your art and simultaneously being able to live off your art with the freedom to continue producing. I would say that you fall into that category. Why do you think you were successful? Well, I I mean, again, like, like you said, it's all relative to like your version of success, you know? And as far as music went, you know, my version of success because of the scope I came from was really small. 
the the minute I started drawing people out of town and people knew the lyrics to my song, I'm, I'm not talking hundreds. I'm talking like four started coming to my shows. I'm like, I'm successful. I'm like, this is great. You know, Brian and I had a rule or a deal at one point that if we sold 10,000 albums, we were going to get throat tattoos because we were under the assumption that, you know, we were good. You, you know, I'm sure I probably even told you that at some point. You actually, you might have been part of that. Um, so that's where, you know, um, it's tough. And it's something I'm even thinking about a lot now. Like, literally, if you took money out of the picture, I would feel so successful in so many different ways, like all the time. And and I probably would have even in the past, you know, um, the actual creation of art, the releasing it, the whatever validation you get from that and uh, the feeling of completion and moving on to something else like that's what really makes me feel good. You know, that's what makes me feel successful. Like I'm doing something worthwhile with my life. That makes me feel successful because of the world we live in and just basic reality. I've had to alter my vision of success to include money. I didn't grow up rich. I didn't have some fucking soft pillow to fall on. And in a certain point in my mid 20s, the reason music was coming to an end wasn't because I wanted to stop playing music. It's because I was in my mid fucking twenties and life has to like work for you at some point, you know, like, and I'm a, and I'm a pragmatist, I guess, before anything else. So, so I think that's really where the barometer is set is like, you know, like I said, success to me a long time ago was just the simple ability to to play music for a job and, and support your life. And then once you start supporting other people's lives and things like this, then, then it alters, you know, whether you like it or not. Awesome. Anything else that you want to talk about here or plug or anything like that? Uh, Mercy Union's going in the studio in a few weeks to record a new record. Pretty, pretty jazzed about that. It's taken me some, uh, training the last couple months to get my arms and wrists back to non noodle shape. Um, so that's been nice doing the going off track podcast every week, interviewing some pretty awesome people and then doing the tune up podcast every week. Uh, my little talking head, um, podcast about sports and entertainment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I'd want to plug. What I want to talk about I don't know. Maybe we should talk about how the government is using aliens to confuse us again. Um, you know, maybe we should talk about your beautiful, like silvery kind of hair you got going on these days. You look really nice. Um, talk about the Brooklyn Nets and how everybody hates them now. All of a sudden, so sad, you know. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, Mike. All right. We'll save that for part two. All right. All right, Benny, thank you so much for doing this with me today. Thanks, Mike. You're great. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the Artist Work Ethic podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at the Artist's Work Ethic. 
and check out theartistsworkethic.com 